We are still up to chapter six, Mishnah six of Perkyavos. We're going to be here for a while because we're talking about the 48 ways to acquire wisdom. We're up to way number three, and that is Arichas Sfasayim. Arichas Sfasayim, which means the organization and the preparation and the setting out of your lips. To organize your lips. Now, what does this actually mean? So the commentaries tell us that this means that when you study, it should not be inaudible. It shouldn't be just with your eyes, as your eyes scanning the pages. It should be with your lips. You should study out loud. And the Talmud tells us that whenever you study, open your mouth and speak in order that the words that you study will endure within you and you will merit a long life. When we are studying and we're interfacing with knowledge, there are various ways that we could do it. You could read even a book, certainly the Talmud, the Torah, and you read it with your eyes and you're absorbing it. Says the Talmud, that's not the way to do it. You should read it with your eyes, stand with your eyes, but also verbalize it with your lips, organize your lips. And say it out loud, and that way it will endure within you, and you will merit a long life. And it quotes the verse in Proverbs, Ki chayim heim This provides life, Torah provides life for those who find it. Says so it's not what does it mean, find it? It means those who actually express it with their mouth. So the way you're supposed to learn the way supposed to study is to articulate and to enunciate and to speak it out loud. And if you do that, it's going to endure, it's going to be preserved within you. Now, it seems to me that this is both a natural and a supernatural phenomenon. On one hand, it's natural. You want to imprint something in your brain. You want to imprint something in your heart. You want to learn something so it sticks, so you remember it. The more ways that you interact with that piece of information, the more it sticks within you. So if you have a visual and an auditory and you actually express it verbally, the more senses that you're getting involved, the stronger it's going to stick within you. Just like if you, if you have a visual, you see something, you read something, you maybe if you, if you touch something, any way that you interact with information and knowledge, and the more varied those ways are, the likelier it is to stick. So that's the simple way to understand this, is that when you say something out loud, you're not just in your head cogitating about it, but you're actually saying it, and you're getting your body involved with it, and that is a way to have something stick within you a bit longer. It's getting more deeply embedded within you. I think there's also a supernatural idea here. God is saying that I will bestow upon you more life. You will remember something better in the event that you take the steps and the effort to enunciate it, to say it out loud, to verbalize it. The whole notion of us forgetting, it's kind of strange. Why would God design us in a way that we can forget? We forget stuff easily. Wouldn't it be better if we never forgot anything? Well, the Talmud tells us that there are a few downsides of that. First of all, 
if you ever got embarrassed and you felt like some deep sense of shame, if you never forgot things, you would always have that sense of shame and you wouldn't be able to get past things. Now they fade, right? You have an experience and it fades. It loses its salience over time. And that is a gift so we can move past things. Moreover, we can retain novelty. When you learn something the first time, it's always when there's newness present, then there's novelty. There's, it's, it's exciting again. Says the Talmud, the Almighty designed us that we forget so that we will have the joy of relearning after we have forgotten something. But we don't want to forget. And here we have a way to avoid forgetting. And that is if you enunciate something, if you study Torah, you don't want to forget that. You enunciate it. That is a way to earn more memory, to reinforce what you are studying and to not forget it as easily. The Talmud gives us some amazing stories here. It tells us about Bruria. She's the wife of Rabbi Meir. And she herself was like a great sage. And she saw a student who was studying in silence. And she kicked him. She kicked him. She booted him. And she says, wait a minute, don't you know what it says? And she quotes the verses. That if it's organized and it's involved and it's alive within you, then you'll retain it. Otherwise, you will forget it. And he gives us a second story of a student of Rabbi Eliezer who would study in silence and he forgot it. He forgot his Torah. After three years, I would say the the most transformative experience someone can have is just spending a half hour in a yeshiva, just going to visit it. And you'll see something you've never seen before in your life. You'll see a room packed with students, all of them screaming. It's like, it's like chaos, pandemonium. You'll have a bench and every... Two students are studying with each other, but the, the noise, the barometer, the loudness, the cacophony, it's almost deafening. That is what yeshiva is designed to look like. Why? Because it's not a library. People aren't just sitting there quietly sipping their drinks and studying. It's war. It's war. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to be. And that's when the words of Torah aren't just ancient texts that we're studying, like we're, you know, uh, Egyptian uh, archaeologists trying to read the hieroglyphics, the papyri. This is alive. Torah is alive. I remember when I was in yeshiva, every day after a four-hour session, I was hoarse because you could be a foot and a half away from your study partner, but the room is so loud, you have to really scream to get his attention. <laughs> and the way you're supposed to scream, by the way, the Talmud even says, is that if you're studying properly, you're supposed to hate each other. Why? Because everyone's different. Every brain is completely unique. You have your own fingerprint of your brain, and it's there's no other brain like it. And we're studying the same text. And I see it one way, and my study partner sees it a different way. And we have to argue it out. We have to duke it out. 
says the Talmud, we study properly, he's supposed to hate each other. Why? Because this is life. This is the Almighty's Torah. And you're saying something so corrupted, you're an idiot. <laughs> that would be okay. You're so stupid. You're a fool. It's also okay. If it goes any past that, maybe it's not, it's not so appropriate. But that is all legitimate in the yeshiva environment. It's a war. And this person is saying something that I believe is inaccurate and you're inaccurately portraying the words of Hashem, the words of the Almighty in the Torah. You're a fool. I don't want to talk to you. But then we'll argue for a few hours. Ah, I hate you. Okay, but what happens when we're done? When you're done, there's no one that you have as close of a connection to as the people that you were in the trenches with. When you're done, then you love each other. These are the people that you are closest with. But that is the design of the Torah. That is how it, especially in the yeshiva, how it is studied. The lips have to be organized. It's not just people reading text. It's alive. It's dynamic. It is on fire. And that's this idea. You want to, you want to study Torah? You want to earn Torah? You want to acquire Torah? A prerequisite of that is arichas vasayim, the organization of your lips. Come ready for war. There's another idea that our commentaries here tell us, and that is to understand something, you have to verbalize it. If you have an idea and you want to see if it is up to the snuff, if it passes the smell test, if it is legit, one way to do that is to articulate it, to take an idea and convert it into words. If you think something that you have, an idea that you have is brilliant, but it does not translate into words, then actually, you know, there's something wrong with it. There's a hole, there's a flaw, there's a gap in your thinking. Part of this idea, and this again is applicable to other areas outside of Torah, as many of these lessons are, part of organizing your lips is to speak something and to not allow it to remain in the realm of the theoretical then it can be fuzzy and ideas in your head are much more forgiving than words that you say. If you can articulate an argument and it still makes sense, then you know you have something. I would even add, even though this is probably not included in this, if you can write something, writing is a way to help clarify thinking. Speaking is the same way. You're taking an idea and you're bringing it to a different domain, if it checks out in that domain, then you know the idea actually has merit. And finally, the third notion here in this principle, way number three, arichas fasayim, is you have to, you have to organize your lips, which means you don't just speak off the cuff, shoot from the hip, extemporaneous blabbering, you organize your lips, which means you think before you speak. Arrange your thoughts and only then convey them. My grandfather, blessed memory, he was an exemplar of this. He always thought before he spoke. 
It sounds trivial. Of course you think before you speak. But the truth is, it's actually not, it's not so trivial. Most people, they just speak. And they don't think. And we've talked about this in the past. There's a system one thinking and system two thinking. There's just the knee-jerk response. And you're not actually accessing all the superpowers that you have in your brain. And then there's the way of taking an idea and passing it through all the components of your brain and refining and polishing and, and upgrading your ideas and only then speaking it. So you can imagine someone asking you a question and you actually just think about the question for just one minute. 60 seconds. Try doing it. You'll have a very different answer. Why? Because you are arranging your lips. You're making sure that everything is organized before those lips are employed. Moreover, this kind of attitude can prevent a lot of gaffes. They say people rarely regret the words that they decided to not utter. So that's way number three, organizing your lips, which on one level means when you study Torah, make sure it's alive, make sure it is dynamic, say it, live it, and then we have the other ideas of it helps clarify and speaking something out, so to speak, is a way to determine its legitimacy and finally, the idea of using your lips very sparingly, well, more accurately said, it is using your brain to prepare and to organize before those lips can convey it. This is way number three to acquire Torah.